As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real-life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. Hi, welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. This week's show is a little bit different. We are dedicating this week's show to Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Please, please don't just think of breast cancer during these months that it's Breast Cancer Awareness or Breast Cancer Month. You need to get out there and get screened all year round. Breast cancer seems to be on the rise and it's just frightening. I've had so many wonderful friends that are survivors of breast cancer and I have so many friends who have not sadly survived. And early detection is key. In 2019, an estimated 268,000 new cases of base of breast cancer will be diagnosed to women in the U.S., as well as 62,000 new cases of non-invasive breast cancer. 62% of breast cancer cases are diagnosed by localized staging. This year, an estimated 41,000 women will die from breast cancer in the U.S. That's just unfathomable. 41,000 women. Although rare, Men get breast cancer too. There's about one in 1,000 in the U.S. Men will get breast cancer. An estimated 2,670 men will be diagnosed with breast cancer this year. One in eight women in the United States will develop breast cancer in her lifetime. One in eight people. You must get your mammograms. You must be screened. You must do your self-exams. Breast cancer is the most common cancer in American women, except for skin cancers. There's over 3.5 million breast cancer survivors in the United States. That's on average, every two women, every two minutes, a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer. So today's guest, we asked to come on and talk to us about breast cancer. This is actually a survivor of breast cancer. She's done amazing things, and we are here to welcome our guest. Today's guest, Beverly Vogt, is just amazing. She has dedicated most of her life to what she's doing, and I think that's just tremendous. She was diagnosed with breast cancer in 1992. I mean, at the age of 38, 1992, um, that was at a time when little medical knowledge and little support networks were there really for breast cancer. Realizing she had no point of reference for healing and no role model specific to breast cancer, her fears controlled her experiences until she learned there were ways she could indeed empower herself. 
In 2006, Beverly created Breast Cancer Wellness Magazine, a quarterly full-color publication that goes directly to thousands of breast cancer patients and survivors in all 50 states, as well as several thousand mastectomy centers, breast cancer support groups, and breast cancer centers and events. In 2007, Breast Cancer Wellness Magazine was the recipient of the Don Randley Publications Award for Best Issue in its category. Beverly has all, was also named in 2007 Yo Place Champion, along with 24 other women and men from around the nation for their dedication to making a difference for breast cancer patients and survivors. She produces Aspire, the, the internet radio show for breast cancer survivors. It's with great pleasure, honor, true I, i'm truly so thrilled by you and by, by what you do because i've had so many friends and so many people i know that have had breast cancer that we welcome to our show the lovely and talented beverly vote well thank you i'm very glad to be here and share whatever hope and inspiration i can to make a difference in in anybody's day and anybody's journey in any way i can beverly i can't even imagine in 1992, what it was like to get that diagnosis. I mean, really seriously, Beverly, just walk back for just a few minutes. Did you even think about breast cancer then? Oh, absolutely not. Um, however, I went through a year before I was uh, diagnosed. I went through a year of actually being misdiagnosed four times. And so when I had, um, how I, I found a lump and... Um, I I was on my way to the shower early in the morning. Well, I say early, it's about 6.30 in the morning. And I instinctively just reached down and felt um, a space, a, a, something on my breast. Went ahead and took my shower. And before the day was out, I called my gynecologist about, about it. And so they scheduled me right away to come in for, uh, you know, to be examined. And so I went through the course of a year of being misdiagnosed four times before I was actually diagnosed. And so by the time I was diagnosed, the size of it was a very large, a very, very large lemon. And it was just protruding out of my bra. And so um, by that time, my doctor had retired and the nurse had come in. And after I showed it what was going on, she actually started crying. Um, they did a needle biopsy on the spot. And... Um, and I was, you know, I was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer. So I was in shock, um, total shock, because there, I didn't know anyone who had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And everyone who I knew that had been diagnosed with any kind of cancer had died. And so it was very scary because I was at the peak of my career. I was um, the a uh, proud grandmother of a one-year-old grandchild, and my son was still in high school. And so I was just, you know, I never thought about breast cancer. Um, and I tell you what, if it weren't for three perfect strangers reaching out to me and sharing their ins their inspirational stories about how they had surpassed their medical diagnosis, I'm not for sure that I would be alive today because how they touched my life made me, I'll say they helped, I adjusted my perspective about going into the journey. I went into it with hope and inspiration, 
versus going into it with doom. I can't and imagine. It, it made all the difference in the world because I will tell you, on a Friday night, now my husband and I, at that time, we both uh, lived in a small community, and um, we knew a lot of people. I owned my own business in town. My husband owned his own business in town, and so we knew a lot of the community. So the phone had been ringing all week long with people wanting to know how I was and everything. And I just remember by Friday, I was just really um, in in overwhelm, and I didn't know what else to say to anybody. And so that Friday night, the phone rang, and my husband says, okay, I'll get it. And, you know, he stepped into his office and got the phone, and he answered the phone. He was gone for a while, and uh, seriously, while he was taking the call, that was the first quiet moment I'd had since diagnosis. I grabbed my yellow pen and I was actually making notes about my funeral. I'm not, I kid you not because I wanted to do everything I could to make this process as easy as possible for my family. So after a while, my husband had been gone on the phone for a while. So I just assumed he was taking care of business and uh, he stepped out back into the living room and he says to me, "Um, you need to take this call. And it was the way he said it in his tone. And so I went into his office, picked up the phone, and spoke with a lady named Mary Johnson. And I'm here to tell you, it was an amazing story. At that time, she was a 26-year breast cancer survivor of a very aggressive form of cancer where they told her that she would not live. And following that, there were two other survivors that called me and shared their long-term Um, history of surviving and I didn't know there was such a thing I did not know that it could be so empowering to hear a message of hope beyond diagnosis and so by the time I went in to have my surgery my the mastectomy just a few days later it was night and day the woman that the doctors had seen just you know days previous to that than how I walked in to have the surgery It is because of those three perfect strangers. At the time, they were absolutely perfectly placed in my life. Um, But how they reached out to me in my time of darkness is why I started the magazine. So that no woman would feel alone, that she wouldn't feel hopeless or helpless. And that's why I do the magazine. Um, Because it makes all the difference in the world when someone understands what you're going through. So we're soon to begin our 15th year in um, in print. And um, I just am very dedicated to help change the culture and the consciousness about breast cancer and do whatever I can to bring not just messages of hope, but beyond hope. How do you get through each one of these, you know, stages, each part of these uh, the pieces of the journey, you know, whether it's, you know, being, you know, whether it's mastectomy and chemo and, hair falling out and how you reclaim your identity and your self-worth and how do you manage those fears? Actually, how do you turn those fears into faith? Right. I am a big, 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 big believer of faith, huge believer of faith. And, and I'm a, gosh, a 25 student, 25 year student of learning about the mind body concept. And that continues to be, you know, the focus of a lot of modern day medicine, Um, you know, and so I, 
it intrigues me to this day. And so using the power of the mind, the body, and the spirit to heal, I think, are, is very important. And it helped those three aspects. It helped us move it beyond diagnosis, beyond treatment, beyond darkness. And um, it helps us reach our inner strength in ways that we didn't even know, you know, was there. So, you know, that's it in a nutshell of my my journey and why I do what I do. I think it's incredible. And just so you know, you're so spot on when you talk about mind, body, consciousness. I mean, your mind Mm -hmm. is so extremely powerful. People, I don't think, realize they really don't realize how powerful their mind is and how how difficult how difficult journeys can be turned around by just your mind alone and having and talking to someone and releasing all those inhibitions and all that anxiety and speaking to someone who's been through it or something similar to it i really do believe i'm alive today because of those three perfect strangers i really believe this, and this because otherwise i yeah, I would have been every step of the way. I would have been, you know, well, this isn't doing any good. Why should I show up? But then show up, but not actually giving power to the experience because I was being my own best naysayer. And of course, I had, a, you know, some days like that. And I actually gave myself permission to have the bad days. And the days I would, you know, in hindsight, I was seeing that I was cocooning. And going deeper to see, you know, to check in with myself to see really what I needed to do to move forward. Instead of avoiding that darkness, I actually sat with it for a while. And that's when I started learning even deeper about meditating and praying. And um, and those have been my godsend. That and people have been on this journey that I have met and who I continue to meet that I just see as awesome heroes in this space. They inspire me. And I know they inspire others. And so getting those messengers out into the world, again, that's why I like doing the magazine. But we're all human. If one person can reach their inner strength, she's no different than all of us. We all have that deeper inner strength in us. We also have a deeper wisdom that sometimes we're too busy to uh, pay attention to because you know, mainstream something, another, or marketing, or something has got us thinking about something else instead of our own inner wisdom. And that inner wisdom, it can be cultivated and wow. trusted. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. so true because I hear this time and time again, not just survivors of breast cancer, but survivors of abuse or trauma or, or anything that has happened in their lives. And um, it's those people that, that actually reach out and speak to people and listen to people and step away from themselves a little bit. Because again, you, you can't, you're there either your biggest net um, negative, negative energy or your biggest advocate. And you have to be careful. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mm-hmm. say you can't be sad. That doesn't say you can't you can't be, you know, have sorrow or or, or be worried or you know have anxiety, or even. Of course. It just says that there's times that you have to to really hold your own and stand up against all of that. I I agree, and you know, there's there's so many days in this journey when we feel like I can't do that. I can't take the next step. And I know in speaking with women, when they have those days, my gentle response is, what can you do today? 
Don't do anything that you feel you can't do. Do that one thing that you feel you can do. Maybe it's getting up and showering and, and, you know, putting on, you know, fresh lipstick and getting dressed for the day. Maybe it's meeting a friend for lunch or maybe it's being still for the day and not doing anything. Right. And it's like, what can, what can I do today that nurtures either my mind, body or spirit? And then just do that one thing and don't, don't overload ourselves when we're going through trauma. And, and I think that is the key is not to overload ourselves because uh, our fears will do that for us if we don't step back and um, understand that it's fear speaking and not faith. And I, I think that is a very important key. I, I, I agree. And I think also now you've been in this space over 20 years, like 25, 26 years of, of dealing Correct. with people with breast cancer and, and breast cancer survivors and breast cancer stories. And it, it blows my mind because I just read statistics two or three days ago that, that are popping up because it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And I'm so grateful mm-hmm. for all the companies that support and and do things for women that, that that are good that, that really try to move the ball forward as far as research and, and experimental mm-hmm. everything that needs to be done. But one in eight women are diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. One in eight. Correct. That's in, that to me is insane. In there's a new case of breast cancer diagnosed every two minutes. I, that mm-hmm. blew my mind. And um, family history and the factor of breast cancer is 15% is family history, 85% is not. Two of my girlfriends, no history at all, nothing in their families, both have breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why? Beverly, what do you think has changed in this country, changed in this world, that all of a sudden breast cancer is such a prominent issue? I, it, this is just my opinion. There's no science behind about what, what I'm about to say. There's absolutely no known, known science to, that I know of. Um, it's, I think a lot of it's environmental. I think that there are so many uh, pesticides and harmful uh, products that are in everything we eat, everything we drink. I mean, I live here in the Midwest. And I can remember drinking from wells and streams and, and things like that without thinking anything. And who would have ever thought bottled water is almost the norm in the world we live in today that we would, that we actually pay for water. Right. You know, and so water, like I said, these pesticides and harmful um, hormones are in our everything. And then the other thing is I wonder about how many generations were into birth control. My mother didn't do birth control, but I did. I did four years of birth control. Um, and I were into generations of having birth control, which is a hormonal disruption to the body. And our horm- hormones affect everything, including the, our breast health. And I just think that is a big factor. And again, what we eat affects our hormones. And I think those are two powerful um, aspects from a physical standpoint, from the um, emotional standpoint, there's a lot of um, um, not maybe not emotional, but more the mental. I, I've witnessed through the years that prior to a woman's diagnosis, 
that she, about two to three years prior to her diagnosis, she will have had a stressful event. And that stressful event um, can be loss of a loved one, um, you know, whether that's death or separation, or, you know, it can be something that challenges her beliefs about herself as a, as a woman, you know, such as getting fired from a job. But I see this component of self-worth play into the breast cancer diagnosis equation. And I see those stressors hit about two to three years prior to diagnosis, even though the doctor can say, well, this, you know, your cancer has been going for about 10 years, but there can be sometimes that, you know, the emotions or the stress triggers the growth. And then our bodies, you know, in the case of when we have tumors, you know, our body is designed to heal. And sometimes I think these cells that the body puts them into a contained tumor and um, that we, you know, so they don't grow. And of course, you know, we continue to feed them with, you know, we continue to feed them with the same things we did before with harmful pesticides, harmful hormones, harmful food, you know, um, HRT, things like that. You know, sugar is really, really, um, really not good for um, any levels of sugar, whether it's, you know, the pink stuff um, or the, um, you know, sugars, you know, just plain old brown sugar, or white sugar. Um, you know, so all that factors into it. You know, I have no science on any of it other than the sugar. There's many studies. We just had an article in the last issue of the magazine about sugar and how that really disrupts the, the hormones in the body. And then even in our country, even in the world today, we live in a country that just does not honor the value of a woman. We still live in a country, in a world where women are not paid the same as men for doing in some in some situations of course we are and some we're not but yet when we you know we're sort of caught up in that we accept the pay and we go on but yet it still bothers us we know it's not right right and so that self-worth still plays a role in healing because i witness women who don't believe their life is worthy of healing and even though they may not die in body, I watch them wither in spirit. Right. Because they right. don't believe in their self-worth. And, and that's almost the saddest of the sad. Right. Right. I agree. I agree. There's so many, you know, it, it's the intricacies of life for women. And I'm not saying men don't have it tough a lot as well. But I'm just saying the intricacies of our generation and the generation directly after us, you know, mm-hmm. the 50s, mm-hmm. we're, you know, we're in our fifties and then the women that are in their forties, they are, we were still, we were still in the tug of war time when, or should yes. we be mothers? Should we be working? Should we be both? Can we be both? Can we be both successfully? Can we be good wives? Can we be good mothers? Can we be good employees? Can we have great careers? And, and so many, many women at the top of their game. I've, I've had the p- vice president of Samsung. I've had some of the top, top women in the world on this show. And there's always the thread of, I tried really hard to be a good mother. And it's such a, a tug of war for us. We were born and raised in a generation still where television showed us that the mother had the apron on, made dinner and put it on the table. 
And then as mm -hmm. the, the 70s came, we were a little bit more liberated, but we still were expected to be, you know, the caregiver in the family and the person that was going to be doing everything. So I think women have had this few, you know, many years actually of transition. And I think that is, I think you see a lot of that. I think stress is an enormous factor in disease. Stress is, I agree that stress really is stress, stress and diet. Again, the hormonal factors for any, in the cancer equation alone, because, you know, we're seeing more diagnosis of all types of cancer than ever before. I believe I read just recently again that it's expected one out of two men will be diagnosed with cancer sometime in their life. One out of two. Right. And and it's like, okay, so how is this different than, um, you know, 50, 60 years ago? Our, our next-door neighbor, uh, their father is in their 90s, and he is so healthy. Well, he raised a garden all of his life without pesticides and ate out of that garden. And I really think that's, a, you know, a, a contributing factor to his healthy mind and, and body. Um, whereas now, you know, we're always putting, spraying our, you know, weeds, you know, trying to kill off our weeds even in, you know, in our gardens and things like that. And it's just hard to get good, healthy food anymore and organic food. And for a lot of families, it's hard because organic food is, you know, can be more expensive. Um, and so growing our own gardens, like what we used to do as I, when I was a child, is just not the norm. Um, you know, it's a lot of fast food and all this other type of thing. But, um, but then again, the, yeah. yeah, the mental aspect, though, is huge for, you know, this. You know, you mentioned that we're, you know, our mothers before us were pioneers to help change, you know, how we're in the world. Well, my granddaughters never saw their grandmother live under the thumb of a an aggressive um, father. They did. They did. They didn't see it, you know. So they have it. They're having a different experience, and they don't have the guilt about choosing to be a mother or choosing to go to work. Right. My generation did. Yeah. But, the, but I'm I'm witnessing it in my grandchildren that they don't. Right. So all these feelings that we harbor about what's not right when we don't get to be our true selves, I just don't think it's healthy. I don't either. When we I harbor them. Mm -hmm. About the stress and about the sugar and about the diet. Because, right, I mean, let me tell you something. I say this all the time. When I see women um, feeding their children, you know, whatever it may be, candy or, or fast food. And believe me when I tell you, I, I do buy candy for my grandkids occasionally, yes. But I say it's very expensive to feed your children healthy. Very expensive. It's very, they make it very convenient for mothers to be able to purchase food in a fast food format in, in grocery stores because they're working mothers or because they're single mothers or because they're mm -hmm. both working jobs and they got to get home and feed their kids. It's very, very expensive to feed your children healthy food. It takes a very, very conscientious effort to change all of that and not live in the mainstream way of eating. And um, my oldest granddaughter um, has made that change. And I've never witnessed anyone across the country that's made the 
type of changes that she has. And she did it for herself and her baby. And my granddaughter has never had sugar. She's three years old. Right, right. right. She's she's never had processed food. She's never had um, hormones in her eggs or in her, you know, chicken or any of that. And it's like, wow, these changes can be made. But, boy, it takes a very conscious. And now she has a habit. She knows what to buy. She knows where to go. She's got her routine. And it's just amazing. It took her about three months or so to change those habits. And her family just doesn't get sick anymore. So I totally applaud it. But I just don't see a lot of people doing it because it takes, you know, a huge conscientious effort to make those changes. And, um, you know, that's but it's it's very necessary. So in the magazine, when I look for stories for the magazine, I look for those transformational stories, what they do differently to make a difference for themselves in their own breast cancer experience. That's what I look for. And it's like, how did you make those big changes? How did you go home and tell your husband who'd been cheating on you ever since you've got diagnosed to get out? How did you do that? Right. And um, how did you decide to claim your beauty? Right. How did you ride to that place to recognize that we're not defined by our hair and our, the latest pink lipstick? And those are the nuances I look for because there's great power in those little nuances. There are certainly. Um, and Beverly, do mm-hmm. they write you in? Do they write to you and, and send you stories and then you read through them? or? Yes, and then I meet women all across the country. We, um, I do an annual cruise with women. We started it about 14 years ago, and a little cruise turned into the longest-running cruise in the world for breast cancer survivors. And so I meet women on the cruise, and you know, we just sit down and just – Serendipitously, so I've got to um, share her story in the magazine, or sometimes somebody will approach me. Just today, a lady reached out to me and sent me a story, and I told her, I said, this this will be good, but let's go a little deeper into the story. Um, Again, I was helping her go deeper to tell me about her nuances to share with, the, you know, possibly share with the women. But, you know, through the years, I have met women that really stand out in my mind, um, Sarah Thompson was the world's longest breast cancer survivor. She died right before her 105th birthday. Wow. And she's the longest known survivor that I know that I know of and still know. She was a 66-year breast cancer survivor and she was diagnosed back when the um surgery was extremely barbaric. She had no one to talk to except for her surgeon. No one. And so when I met her, it was one of the greatest honors of my life. She was 140 years old, 104 years old. And my husband and I walked into her home. We met her in Kansas City, and she was walking down the steps to meet us. And she shared her story with me. I, her story should be made into a movie. But she was, I asked her, I said, how did you make it so long? You didn't have anyone. You didn't have the support, you know, like what we have today. And her advice was get on with your life after diagnosis. And I thought that was interesting. And she said, and be adventurous and surround yourself with people who are kind and giving and who love to learn so that you can learn with them. 
in other words, you know, it's basically some, for me, it was a sum up of don't quit living. And when we're diagnosed with, you know, breast cancer, too many times we think we're just a breast cancer survivor. And by that, I mean, we're more than that. And it is incredible to survive breast cancer. It is incredible um, because it's one of the darkest times in a person's life. And I still have friends who are still passing. And I'm, you know, quite possibly all through my life, I will have friends that will pass from breast cancer. But um, but don't quit living till you have to. Right. That's, that's till, till you have to. That's just an amazing Be adventurous. message for everyone. Don't quit living until you have to. And I think mm-hmm. that, 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 that crosses not only into breast cancer, but into many things in this world, into many mm-hmm. parts of life. So the mm-hmm. name of the magazine, Beverly, is? Breast Cancer Wellness, W-E-L-L, Wellness Magazine. Wellness. And it's in many places, right? You're like all over the world, basically. Well, we we have the digital copy so that it can reach all around the world. And it is right now, it's only in English. Um, and it is the digital copy is free. We have all copies, all the copies of the magazine ever, you know, since it started almost 15 years ago online in digital format. And then they can subscribe to the magazine and have it delivered to their door. Um, and then it is in breast centers, breast care centers, oncology offices, um, gosh, um, mastectomy shops, oncology nurse navigators. So it's in it's in centralized locations where breast cancer survivors, you know, normally are. And then, like I said, it can be delivered to their door as well. And then it, it's distributed to lots and lots of events, um, you know, so that women can have that piece of hope that whatever it's my hope that each magazine will speak to each reader in its own special way to deliver whatever she may need to have to remind her that she can take the next step forward and that she's not alone. And that's, that's my hope of doing the magazine. Well, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, your website again is breastcancerwellness.org. .org. And you're Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Yes. Yes. Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Okay. LinkedIn. Mm Mm-hmm. Allbreastcancerwellness.org. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much, Beverly. I, I, I honor you. I appreciate you. Thank you for all you do for women. Um, well, thank I you. Much success. And, and uh, anytime that you're in the area, please let us know. Thank you for everything that you do. Well, thank you kindly. You have a blessed day. Thank you. You as well. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Okay, bye-bye. And we'll be right back. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. Mother says this week is, life went on, but it was never the same again. Remember, get out there, get screened, get a mammogram, do your self-exams, if not for you, for your family, for your, your friends, for your loved ones. Do this because it's very important. We'll have another great show again next week with a one, an amazing woman. And again, we thank Beverly Vote for being on our show. 
Have a great day, everyone. We'll talk to you soon.